Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 37. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right for the, to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers to the man's ears, then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epitha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about him. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Nathan, for for the Bible reading. If you've got your Bibles, please keep them open to Mark chapter 7, as uh, you can actually look at the, the text as we go through the sermon today. When I uh, took on my role or took on the role here of pastor at Mooney Ponds Baptist Church, I actually failed to mention that um, on the application form that I actually have a heart problem. I failed to mention it because I've actually had this condition for a long time and I often forget that I, that I have it. And uh, I only remember uh, when I actually have a, a heart episode. It's not the sort of condition that I'm suddenly going to like keel over and uh, fall down and die from. But nevertheless, it does impact me and it impacts those around me. Mostly impacts my relationship with God. And this in turn impacts how I view the world and how I engage with people in the world. The condition that I suffer from uh, at, uh, at different times is what the Bible refers to as having a closed and hard heart. You won't find this condition mentioned in any medical journal uh, and they uh, are yet to devise a medication for it. But it is a real condition which, the Bible, which, uh, which is in the Bible uh, and it's mentioned many times and um, it affects... Uh, Many people, even affects Christians, long-term Christians, and can affect pastors. And uh, I think that we all need to be aware of it. And we also need to be aware how we can treat it so that we can instead be open 
and soft-hearted people towards God. In preparation for my message this week, I was actually reflecting on my own life and I was thinking about times in my life when I've drifted in my walk with God and when I've not been growing as a Christian or uh, not growing in my relationship with God and my relationship with God felt dry and dusty. Uh, so much so that coming to church felt more like a chore than it did a, a celebration that, that it's meant to be. And what I discovered on my reflection or in my reflection is that I experienced dryness and distance from God when my heart was close to hearing his voice and when it hardened against receiving what he was saying and showing me about my life and about my relationship with him. Perhaps you've felt this way in your own life at times as well. Or perhaps you feel that way right now and uh, haven't known why and don't know what can be done about it. Maybe you have turned up this morning out of duty or you've come to church just to give it one more try before you pack it in. If this is the case, then uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here and it's my deep prayer that God will meet you through his spirit this morning so that you can experience his refreshing and the softening and opening of your heart towards him. The thing about heart conditions is they can often go unnoticed, even by people who, uh, who have them, because the decline is not always dramatic and it's not always obvious on the outside. It's more common for our hearts to slowly close down to God's voice and his leading rather than just sort of stop all of a sudden. The symptoms of a closed heart include a lack of desire to read God's word, a, a lack of desire to listen and talk to God, a tendency to listen rather or, or be grumbling, listen to our own grumbling voice and the voices of other people instead of God. We also stop coming to celebrate and worship God with, thank, with thankful and grateful hearts uh, or with gratitude. We cease being eager learners because we think that we know it all or we've actually heard it all before. And we stop being shocked and confronted by Jesus' words and, and we stop being surprised and amazed by the things that he did and said and what they point to. In the end, all that's left is that we go through the motions of turning up to church but without an open and expectant heart and we wonder why we feel so dry and so despondent. Friends, this is definitely not what God wants for you. God wants each of you to be in a dynamic, growing relationship with him through Jesus in which you're growing in your love and in your knowledge of him and, 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 and that you're experiencing uh, his kindness, his grace in fresh and dynamic ways every day so that you can engage with people around you in the world in love, hope, uh, and, and with love and hope. The Bible talks a lot about people having hard and closed hearts and, and also how uh, these prevent us from understanding, knowing and experiencing God. In today's scripture reading, which, uh, which Nathan read for us, uh, Mark draws our attention to the disciples' heart problems. And he does this through two encounters 
that Jesus had with a Greek Syrian woman and with a deaf man who was also unable to speak. Both these people came to recognise who Jesus truly is and to experience his kindness because they have open and soft hearts to him. Isn't that what you want also today? Isn't this what you really long for? Isn't this why you're here, coming to this service, engaging with God? God, God also wants that for you as well, even more than you know. And he, he's the one who can actually soften and open your heart today if you allow him to. Let's spend a few minutes now with these two stories that we heard read to see what's going on in them and and uh, how we can also be open-hearted to Jesus like these people so that we can know him as well and experience him and experience his kindness. Straight away after uh, teaching people about, the, about uh, needing, uh, needing clean hearts and not just clean hands, as we heard about last week, Jesus brings another challenge to the disciples and to the religious leaders about the status of their hearts. This time the problem is not unclean hearts, but closed and hard hearts. Their, uh, their closed hearts prevent them recognising Jesus as the one who is promised in Jewish scriptures to be the Messiah. The disciples and the religious leaders' uh, hard-heartedness is actually contrasted in these two stories with two people who would have been the last people on earth to seek Jesus to understand who he is and experience his kindness. You see, Jesus' disciples were the, uh, the closest people to him. They were his group. They were the people who travelled with him everywhere. They were the most familiar with his teachings. And yet, until this point in Mark's narrative, they've not been able to recognise him as the Messiah, even though he's been standing right in front of them, doing all these amazing things. Isn't this often the way? As the uh, saying goes, we, uh, we, we, uh, we can't see the forest for the trees. We're so familiar with something and we have our own fixed ideas about it that we fail to see what's also present there and that this leads us often to draw the wrong conclusions about what we're seeing. In the first incident, the person who came to Jesus is a Greek woman uh, by ethnicity, but she was born uh, in what is modern, what is the area around Syria. She's a Gentile. She's a non-Jew, and so Mark really makes sure that we pick this up, pick up her ethnicity because it actually, and her heritage because it actually is significant. It's important to the point that he's actually making here. Jesus meets this woman uh, after he enters a region where many Gentiles live which is in modern-day Lebanon. And it's no coincidence that Mark tells us that Jesus uh, went into this region right away after he had just challenged the Jewish leaders about their views on what makes a person uh, unclean. Once there in this region, Jesus then enters a house and immediately we're told that a, a Greek Syrian woman who worships other gods comes into the house and kneels at his feet and begs him to heal her daughter, who's been troubled by these unclean spirits. Now, out of anyone in the whole world, 
This woman was the least qualified to approach a Jewish rabbi and ask him for help. If this was a celebrity party, then her name wouldn't have been on the A-list. In fact, her name wouldn't have made it to any list of any invited guests. The reason that she was not on the invited guest list was because she was a foreigner. She wasn't Jewish. She worshipped also foreign gods. And finally, she was a woman. According to Jewish religious traditions of that day, she was completely disqualified from entering and meeting with Jesus. But she did. She did it anyway. She was desperate, and so she barged right in and begged Jesus to release her daughter from the evil spirits that were tormenting her. And why does she do this? Well, if you're a parent today and you're watching, then you'll know exactly why she's done this. It was her daughter's sickness that made her disregard all the protocols and uh, that kept Gentiles and Jews apart. She was desperate, and so, and so disregarding every prohibition, she rushed in and she fell at Jesus' feet and just started begging, her, begging him to help her. The way Mark writes this part of the incident is that he, he, says, he says that uh, she just kept on begging Jesus for help. Please, Jesus. My daughter's, my daughter's troubled by an unclean spirit, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. I need your help. We've all met people, unfortunate people who are begging on the streets, even here in Melbourne. And uh, maybe you've, if you've travelled, you would have met and seen some people doing this in other parts of the world as well. It's very challenging to walk past someone who's begging without actually giving them something, isn't it? In Malawi, I found that often I would go to the market and sometimes children would follow me all through the market, just begging me for a few coins. And uh, I, I always, just about always, ended up relenting and giving them something because it was just too much, uh, too hard to resist doing that. But in this story today, do you notice that Jesus uh, doesn't just give in and give the woman what she asked for? This part of the story actually surprises me, and perhaps it surprises you as well. There's a lot of surprises in this story. It surprises us because Jesus doesn't act uh, as we think he should, or as we want him to act. He doesn't grant a request or even send her away as the disciples want him to do. Instead, Jesus engages a woman with a parable. He says, First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I don't suggest that you try using this line next time you meet someone who's begging, because uh, it won't mean anything to them, and it'll also probably end up uh, that you get clobbered by someone for doing that. But it's a, it's a strange way to respond to someone who's requesting help from you, isn't it? Jesus could have said, well, look, I'm just here on a week's holiday and uh, look, I'm just trying to rest. In fact, the answer that he gives doesn't even sound like Jesus because he refers to the woman as a dog. Ouch. That's not very politically correct. 
But Jesus was using a well-known metaphor that both Gentiles and Jews understood. You see, the Gentiles were called dogs by the Jews because they were considered unclean, because they, they didn't keep their religious laws. It's not any wonder then that the Jews were really quite unsuccessful in attracting people of other nations to come and worship their God, was it? But the Gentiles also had their own names, not so nice names as well for the Jews, and so there was this sort of mutual animosity between them. But Jesus, in saying that to this woman, wasn't trying to be offensive and he wasn't trying to be flippant. He was telling the Greek Syrian woman something about himself and also something about his mission. By the way of this sort of well-known domestic scene, the meal time, the family meal time uh, at a table, uh, Jesus says that he's, that he's come actually to feed the children of Israel. He's actually come to feed them first before any other group. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, where he shares about the same incident, uh, Jesus is more blunt. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then after Israel have heard, then all the other people, they'll have their turn to hear and receive the message as well. Now, you would have thought speaking this way to the Greek Syrian woman uh, would have been a real conversation stopper. She could have taken offence at Jesus for using the well-known term dog to refer to her and her people, but she didn't. Instead, she enters into the parable uh, that Jesus told her and she responds to Jesus using the same story. She says to Jesus, uh, but even the, even the dogs under the table get to eat the crumbs that fall to the ground. What she meant was, by this was, I agree with you that the children of Israel should be fed first, but even us Gentile dogs can get the crumbs that fall down from the table at which others are eating the meal. And then she adds, and I'm here now for mine right now. That's what she's really indicating. I'm here for my crumbs. She understood Jesus' parable perfectly and Jesus understood her perfectly as well. And he, and he can also understand you and your situation today. You see, in stating the situation uh, in a parable, Jesus was actually inviting the woman to understand his purpose for being there and his mission. And that is, uh, th that, is that he was, he's actually working to, according to a divine plan that required Israel to be uh, fed first, and then after them, other people would be also fed. And this is what God has always intended. In fact, he wanted Israel, who were fed first, to be the ones who then on and went on and shared the message of God's kindness with other nations. God made a covenant with them through uh, through Abraham and uh, he made a covenant with uh, Abraham and then Moses and he expected Israel to take that covenant seriously and be a light to the nations drawing them to himself but Israel failed to understand God's plan and they failed to follow God because their hearts were hard and closed and they were unwilling to change
The Greek Syrian woman knew that she wasn't first in line to be fed. She knew that her name wasn't on the A-list or in fact on any person's list to get a seat at the table. But her name is on God's list. And she knew that there was more than enough in Jesus to satisfy everyone. And this is why she says, I want some of these crumbs and I need them now. Do you see the irony in this incident? You see, by now Jesus had spent about two years day in, day out with his disciples. They'd heard him speak on every occasion and experienced every miracle that he'd done. Yet, not one of them really knows who he is or what he's come, what he'd come to do. Instead, it's an unclean foreign woman who worships other gods and who is without a scrap of historical knowledge or expectation about a promised Messiah who actually understands right away who Jesus is and what his mission on earth is all about because her heart was open and not closed. Jesus is delighted by her response. It's so refreshing. And he grants her request saying, Go, the demons have left your daughter. The woman encountered Jesus and experienced his kindness because her heart was open. Her, heart, her open heart allowed her to come despite all that she knew and kneel at Jesus' feet and ask him to do something that she was unable to do herself. Straight after this encounter, Jesus heads to another area called the uh, uh, Decapolis. And uh, that means, a, you know, Decapolis means ten cities. It's an area in modern-day Jordan where there were historically ten cities. And it's actually, if you remember, the place where the man who was filled with those legion of demons actually went back to after Jesus had set him free. This time, though, uh, it is a, uh, a person who is both deaf and unable to speak who comes to Jesus, who's brought to Jesus. And so the interaction here with Jesus is really quite different to the interaction that Jesus has with this uh, Greek Syrian woman. Jesus uh, doesn't have the back and forth banter with him. He just uh, takes the deaf man aside who couldn't speak and uh, in a very sympathetic manner ministers to him and communicates in a way that he can comprehend what, uh, what he, using sign language, what is going to happen and what he's going to do to him. Jesus firstly puts his fingers uh, in the man's ears. And he then spits on his fingers and touches his tongue. Uh, and then he looks up to heaven and sighs deeply and then says, be open. There and then the deaf man's ears were opened so that he could hear and his tongue became loose so that he could speak. It was a miracle. It's a healing story. Uh, but, but Mark includes this story here for a real purpose. He has a reason for including it. There are lots of healing stories, but he has a purpose for including this story right here. You see, he's making a point with this story. Directly after the deaf man who couldn't speak was healed, the people who actually were with him, who brought him uh, to Jesus, they openly said, they declared uh, 
they declared that he um, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. They actually don't know, because they're Gentiles, that they've actually just uh, quoted from a prophecy by the prophet Isaiah. They don't know when they say he has done all things well, even the, even he even makes deaf hear and the mute speak, that this is actually a prophecy that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years before. Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. It's no coincidence then that the deaf are made to hear and the mute made to speak by Jesus. You see, these are all signs that point to something beyond to Jesus' uh, Jesus' power as a healer. They're like blossoms on trees in springtime. They're like leaves that are turning uh, different colours in autumn. We see them and we see these miracles and we're meant, we see them happening and we're meant to have, a, have an aha moment when we see them. And we're meant to know that God has come amongst his people. But here again in this incident, just like the story of the Greek Syrian woman and her spirit-possessed daughter, it's actually not the disciples of Jesus who recognise the sign pointing to who Jesus is. It's the Gentiles. It's the non-Jews. It's the dogs under the table, the ones picking up the crumbs. They're the first to see it. They're the first to announce it. And they are the first to experience the kindness of God, which is why they declared he has done all things well. And he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The strange thing is that the disciples were, were there, but they didn't, and they heard the prophecy. They heard, them, they heard these people declaring Isaiah's prophecy, but they didn't recognize it because their hearts were not open or soft to him. Their hearts were hard and they had fixed ideas about God, what God would, would and wouldn't do. And this made them unable to see what God was doing, even in their midst. Right after uh, this healing of the deaf man who couldn't speak, Jesus goes on then and feeds 4,000 people with, uh, with seven rolls and a few fish. It's, uh, but this feeding incident... Uh, it's, it's a bit like the movie Groundhog Day, if you've seen it, where each day seems to be the same. The disciples, again, get up and feed uh, after Jesus performs this miracle. They get up and sort of distribute the bread and the fish, just like they did in the feeding of the 5,000. But again, they still don't understand what these signs and miracles mean. Jesus even says to them, Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember about the loaves and the fish, how much leftovers there were? My friends, 
The disciples, Jesus says, don't understand who he is and what he came to do or what he invites them to be part of because they had hard and closed hearts. In order to know and experience Jesus, they need to have open and soft hearts like the Greek Syrian woman and like the deaf man who couldn't speak. It was, an, it was open and soft hearts that enabled them to know Jesus and to experience his kindness. Today, we also need to know who Jesus is and we also need to, to experience his kindness. And to do this, we need open and soft hearts as well. But it's not just people who are far away from God who need open and soft hearts, is it? All of us can develop hard hearts for various reasons. We do this when we're no longer willing to learn or to be open to hear from God or to do what God wants. Instead, we grumble and we choose to listen to our own wisdom and to our own desires. If the disciples who walk with Jesus every day struggled with heart issues, then we shouldn't be ashamed or we shouldn't feel shame for having similar heart conditions as well. In the book of Hebrews, the writer tells his Christian audience not to have hard hearts like the Israelites. You see, the Israelites were God's people uh, and they'd experienced God doing great things right in front of them. When they were slaves in Egypt, Moses came and performed uh, through the power of God ten miraculous signs that made Pharaoh let them go out of Egypt and begin their journey to the promised land. But once out of Egypt, they longed to go back there. They grumbled each step of the way because they failed uh, to have open and soft hearts towards God and to recognise God's presence with them as he led them on their journey to the promised land. In Psalm 95, the psalmist speaks about hard heart, the hard hearts of, the, of Israel and he gives them a remedy for their hard-heartedness so that they could have soft and open hearts again which is what is needed if we are to follow God and to know him as he wants to be known. In Exodus 16 and 17, the Israelites complained every step of the way on, of their journey. They complained when the water that God provided was bitter. They complained when the water was scarce. They complained when there wasn't bread. They complained then when there wasn't meat. But each time God met them and provided what they needed. What about, what about us this morning? What about you? Are we any better than them? Are we also complaining about what we don't have or when we do get, get what we want? It's not what we think we want anyway. In Psalm 95, the psalmist talks about the remedy for a hard heart. Worship, says the psalmist, is what opens and softens a heart towards God. He's not talking just about praise and worship, the singing that we do on a Sunday in our service. Rather, he's saying that we need to cultivate an attitude and heart of worship to God in our lives. In Psalm 95, the psalmist says, Don't harden your hearts like your ancestors did long ago in the desert, but instead, he says, 
Shout aloud to God, the rock of our salvation. Come before him with thanksgiving. Bow down in worship. Kneel before him. Each of these actions require us to do something. They require us to come and to participate and not to be passive recipients. Many of us, however, are too passive with God and his mission. We just want to receive and we don't want to, and we don't, uh, and when we don't get what we want, we complain. And we say things like, I don't get anything out of, uh, out of worship. I don't get anything out of the sermon today. I don't get anything out of my small group. I don't get anything from the youth group or the pre-youth group. And when we say these things, it shows that we are spectators and consumers rather than participants and worshippers. And it shows that we have hard hearts and not open ones. The psalmist reminded Israel that worship is about giving, the giving of everyone and not just the worship team or the speaker. An open heart starts with praising God by submitting ourselves to God, by actively seeking to listen to his voice. God's not silent. God is speaking all the time. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking uh, he's speaking all of the time and we need soft and open hearts to hear his voice today. Friends, what about you today? Are you just going through the motions uh, by turning up to church week in, week out without an open, expectant heart? In many ways, this is what the disciples and the religious leaders of the day uh, were like in the story today. They're, they're, they were complacent, and this had dulled their senses. Whereas the Greek Syrian woman uh, was, was humble, she was alert, she was seeking, she was listening, she was eager, as were, as were the friends of the people who brought the deaf man who couldn't speak to Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you honestly this morning that I've never ever heard anyone or seen anyone stand up in church at the end of a service or even in the middle of a service and declare, I'm leaving church today because I just don't believe anymore. If only such honesty was shouted out more, we'd probably all be better off because then we could see the hurt and the pain and then we could seek to help our friend in need. Friends, what is more common is for people to slowly suffer heart problems, which they never address. And like old dry fruit on the vine, they just shrivel up slowly and die. Perhaps this is how you feel today. Perhaps you recognise the symptoms of a hard and closed heart. Today, God is calling you. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts anymore. But turn to him and ask him to renew and refresh you, to breathe new life into you. It is ultimately the Spirit of God who refreshes us, who softens our hearts. But he doesn't do this without our consent. Today, friends, I invite you to come like the Greek Syrian woman. Don't worry about the protocols. Don't worry if you haven't talked to Jesus 
for a long, long time. Don't worry if you have never, ever talked to him before. Just come and kneel before him. Burst in, but be humble today and tell him you are ready to worship, ready to seek him. Tell him you are ready to learn who he really is. Tell him that you're ready for for him to take you on a journey with him. A journey of faith, one more exciting and more exhilarating than anything that this world can offer that, uh, that that will bring an end to your grumbling, that will bring an end to your cynicism, that will fill you with hope and wonder and desire to worship him and to know him and to serve him. Friends, Be open and soft-hearted today toward God and you will know and experience his kindness in a new and profound way. Let's pray together. Great and loving God, we thank you for your word, for the challenge of your word. Cuts to the heart sometimes. Lord, All of us can be complacent. All of us can be dry and dusty at times. It's been hard sitting at home, watching service online. It's been hard not interacting, having fellowship. It's been hard reading. It's been hard praying. Lord, we feel dry and dusty. Lord, if we examine ourselves today and we know that we have a hard heart, a resistant heart, closed heart, Lord, we ask that you would open them. We ask that you, by your Spirit, would prompt us into worship, prompt us to kneel down, to come, to seek, to learn, to listen, to read again, to engage with you, because we know that you are a kind and loving God and you want to build relationship with us. Help us today to do those things. Help us to take those steps so that we can encounter you, like the Greek Syrian woman and like the the deaf man who couldn't speak, that they could that we would also encounter you profoundly today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.